Starting out our program was Vasil Hontarsky from Ukraine with a song called Chorna Black Mountains. Dobry večer, šanovni radio suhači, ta vitaju vas vsih na radio predaču naš holos radio Krinskoho Korinja, katra podijeti vam jak svečajno što subote o šosti hodeni na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Primekrefoni, Pavina Makori,
Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Paulette Jemchuk Makori, Pokrinska Pavlina, and I'm delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you coming up in this next hour. We have a book review as well. We've got Ukrainian Jewish heritage and part one of an interview with Alan Bernstein, the president of the Felstein Society in New York regarding upcoming events in April and some interesting connections to Ukraine. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is music put to the words of a well-known Ukrainian poet by the name of Oles Bernik, and this is Vichna Taina Klechenas, Eternal Mystery Calls Us. to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, 
education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com.
And from a vinyl recording made quite a few years ago, back in the 1980s, I believe, that was a group called Homing Stapil with the title track of that album, and that translates as Echo of the Steps. Coming up next, another little blast from the past, also by an artist from south of the border. This is Alexei Kurekesha with Fata Morgana and a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Oy Upolinevka, in the cornfield. to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, 
we will be discussing Marsha Forchuk Skripuk's novel, Don't Tell the Enemy. Skripuk bases her novel on the real-life experiences of Katerina Sikorska and her daughters, Hrishja and Maria, who hid three Jewish friends in their home during the Holocaust. Hrishja is now a retiree who lives in Toronto. Skripuk started working on this project as non-fiction, but her research convinced her that the novel format was more appropriate. Skripuk changed some of the details to enhance the narrative. For example, in the novel Hrishja is 12 years old. However, the real-life Hrishja was only 8 years old in 1941, though her courageous actions were that of a mature individual. It is June 28, 1941, and the Soviet army is retreating from Hrishja's village of Vitrech in Ukraine. The Soviet occupation has brought nothing but suffering for her family. After her father dies of cancer, Hrishja's family relies heavily on her uncle. However, the Soviets mercilessly kill several members of her uncle's family as they retreat before the Nazis. At first, the Nazi occupiers seemed to be an improvement on the Soviets. These soldiers brought us coffee and chocolate, far different from the two years of hunger, murder, and terror the Soviets had brought us. We were giddy with relief. The Germans are seen as liberators, even initially supporting Ukrainian independence. However, these positive feelings do not last. Farms, food, and livestock are confiscated in order to resettle displaced Germans. Was this the hunger plan? To take food away from us so that we died? Hrishja's family is starving, but they are not too desperate to help her friend Dalek and his family, who have been forced to give up everything and live in the Jewish ghetto. They share what little food they have and secretly hide Dalek, Leon, and Mr. Siegel in a desperate effort to save their lives. Will any of them survive if the Nazis discover their secret? This powerful novel gives young readers a shocking picture of what it was like to live in Ukraine during World War II under both Soviet and Nazi occupation. Hrishja and her mother are resilient and courageous characters who defy the Nazis to help their Jewish friends. Their relatives are also involved in the Ukrainian insurgency. These bold actions were not for the faint of heart. If any of them were discovered, they could lose their lives. The strength of this novel lies in the details of life during World War II in Ukraine. Readers will be shocked by the brutality of the Soviets and the Nazis. The Soviets kill Hrishja's uncle Roman, as well as her cousin Yosef. The Nazis massacre countless Jews. Who is better? The Ukrainian nation was caught between two unimaginable alternatives in the Second World War. Heartless Soviet rule or callous and cold-blooded Nazi rule. Despite this situation, Hrishja's courage shines. Her family shows remarkable compassion despite the horrific consequences. Ukrainian determination to fight for freedom is highlighted by Hrishja's cousin Boris. 
This country doesn't belong to Stalin, and it doesn't belong to Hitler. Even without our leaders, we'll do what we can to resist. Marsha Fortschuk-Skripuk lives with her family in Brantford, Ontario. She has received numerous honors for her picture books and young adult novels. Skripuk's award-winning trilogy of novels about World War II includes Stolen Child, Making Bombs for Hitler, and Underground Soldier. Making Bombs for Hitler won the Silver Birch Award in 2012 and was on the 2014 shortlist for the Kobzad Literary Award. Skripuk's Underground Soldier was a finalist for the 2016 Kobzad Literary Award. Don't Tell the Enemy is a powerful, thought-provoking novel about both Soviet and Nazi occupations of Ukraine during the Second World War which will live in readers' minds and hearts long after they have turned the final page. It is available at Chapters and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
delightful Ukrainian folk dance called Orlitsya, and that is from a recording called Forgotten Songs of Ukrainians, and uh, we acquired this all back um, probably about at least 10 years ago, maybe more. Uh, the recording was made in 2005, and it is a collection of, I guess, there are Original recordings probably cleaned up quite a bit and enhanced, and they are from the 1920s and 30s. Not a whole lot of, in, actually even some a bit earlier, not a whole lot of information. Um, I guess that's why the title, Forgotten Songs of Ukrainians, uh, a lot forgotten, but fortunately those melodies and those recordings were preserved. And again, that dance was called Orletsya. And bringing it back to Canada, this is a family orchestra from Alberta. They're called the Churchill Orchestra. They put out quite a few albums. They've been around a long, long time, and they have preserved that wonderful old-time sound. Here they are from their CD uh, released in uh, 2007. The tradition continues. And another Ukrainian folk dance, maybe not strictly Ukrainian given the title, the Gypsy Chatisse.
This is CHMB, AM 1320, Vancouver. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now. Brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. This is Pavlina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. The Felshtin Society is named after a Ukrainian shtetl called Felshtin, which today is the Ukrainian town of Havardiske. The Felshtin Society began as a benevolent society organized in 1905 in New York City, and it's still active today. One of the most notable of its ongoing humanitarian efforts over the past 113 years is the refuge and relief that the society provided to the survivors of the 1919 pogrom in Felshtin. 600 Jews perished in that brutal pogrom. In April of 2019, the Felshtin Society will hold commemorative events to mark the centenary of this tragic historical event. Last March, we spoke with the president of the Felshtin Society, Ellen Bernstein, who told us about the Society and its plans for these commemorative events. Recently, the Society announced some exciting new developments, which Ellen has kindly agreed to share with Nasholus listeners. We spoke by phone from his office in New York. So, Ellen, welcome back to Nasholus. Thanks very much. I appreciate your having me back. Well, it's it's great to have you, and this story is really fascinating to me, and I'm excited to hear about uh, what's, you know, the new developments. But just to refresh our listeners' minds, for those maybe who didn't catch the first interview, tell us um, a little bit about the society and the history behind it that um, is bringing these commemorative events to the fore next year. Well, uh, the Felstein Society was begun as what was called a Landsmannschaft organization that uh, was founded originally in 1905 in New York and was basically something that people pulled together in order to be able to, first of all, deal with the issues of burial that they had a hard time dealing with in New York at that time because there were no consecrated Jewish cemeteries. Right. Well, there were very few, and there needed to be more. So they got together, and these people bought a plot of land in Staten Island. Other groups bought land in Long Island or in Queens or in, in other some of the outlying areas. And that was one of the primary reasons for them to be together was to have a burial society. And then there were other things as well. Of course, there was uh, social, there was support. And then after the pogroms happened in 1919, they became much more of a benevolent society because they collected money for not only for the people who were displaced from their homes and lost everything, a, a tremendous number of orphans that were left after the, their parents were killed in the, in the Ukraine, in Belarus, and in other parts of of what was at one point the Russian Empire after the Russian Revolution, there were just thousands of kids all over the place that needed to be housed and clothed and fed and educated. So there were orphanages that sprung up all over the place. And these Landsmannschaft organizations were very instrumental, not only in collecting money directly among their own members and, and sending the money back and making visits, but they also were instrumental in connecting with important Jewish organizations like HIAS and um, Jewish Defense Council and things like that, that were also very supportive of these efforts to make sure that the kids 
uh, had a place to live and, and adequate clothing and food and, and education. So uh, that's, that's where it started. And then in the 30s, in the 20s and the 30s, they were more focused on social activities and developing support networks for people who were building businesses and um, who were interested in doing a variety of other things. And eventually, in the late 30s, came to uh, the point where they decided that it would be a very important thing to write a book. So the Felstein Society's main focus of existence at that point became the writing of the book Great. Uh, in, from the early to the mid-30s, and it was published in 1937. And what happened was uh, people decided that it was okay for each of them to contribute a chapter. So some people contributed more than one chapter, and some mm-hmm. people contributed uh, other things aside from uh, sure. the written word. But right. uh, basically they got together and they and they put this wonderful book together, which we understand from uh, a number of scholars who uh, look at this type of literature and who feel that our book, the Felstein Yisker book, is what it's called, is a very strong model of, of the kind of uh, literature that was produced in response to these events. Right. And then, of course, when the Holocaust came and uh, the Germans invaded this part of the world, the rest of the Jews who were living in the town were slaughtered and buried in a mass grave uh, in the town. So um, the society persisted pretty much on a very uh, regular basis through the 70s. And then people began to die off and the original members uh, Mm -hmm. were no longer interested or no longer capable of participating. So things really died off until about the 90s when we began to become much more interested in the book and the translation of the book, which was written largely in Yiddish, Mm. and uh, trying to see what we could do to maintain the society. So we had a 10-year anniversary reunions, uh, one in 1999 and one in 2009. And five or six years ago, we decided that it was uh, very important for us to think about what we could do to commemorate the centennial of this uh, of the pogrom that occurred in, in Felstein. And we began talking about it with a number of people, including like the Evo Institute and the uh, Museum of Jewish Heritage and other significant Jewish cultural uh, organizations in the city. And slowly but surely came up with the picture of that possibility as something that really the Felstein Society was pretty much the only functional or one of the main functional organizations of its kind that was left, and it was really going to be up to us to not only shine some light on the events that happened in Felstein, but really to look beyond that and look at the events that occurred throughout Eastern Europe at that time. And, uh, again, in the Ukraine, in Belarus, Poland, Lithuania, you know, it was just a, a very wide range of mm-hmm. geographical area where these things took place. Yeah, it was called the Pale of Settlement, I guess, right? Yes, that was called the Pale of Settlement until, I think, until 1912, something like that. 1917, it was a provisional government. 1917, okay, that's when when it was, yes. So um, this is pretty much where we came, and we then began to put together a program that we thought was going to be meaningful. And uh, we've been working on it now steadily for about two years, 
And uh, we're looking forward to having our event on April 14th of 2019 at the Center for Jewish History in Manhattan, uh, right off Union Square. And uh, it's a very wonderful place. It's a beautiful building that houses the Center for Jewish History itself, as well as the Evo Institute. And there's a cultural center. It's a really wonderful repository of uh, valuable information, documents from the old world, documents from the United States that people brought over. It has an enormous archive and it has been a great a source of support and a tremendous resource to us going forward and trying to put this event together. It sounds like it's it's going to be a incredible event and you're connecting up with people all around the world pretty much to commemorate it as well and to to remember this is a story that kind of got became almost cliched you know after fiddler on the roof you know people kind of knew there were these these pogroms back ancient history right but it's important to not just consign these things to the dustbin of, of history because it's important to remember history can repeat itself. And, you know, we may be, for all we know, on the cusp of, of repeating terrible mistakes of history ourselves. So it's, it's a very good thing to be commemorating these events as, as you're doing now. So before we go on, I just wanted to ask you for some clarification um, the term that you mentioned, uh, land, land, what is that word? Landsmannschaften. Right, yeah. What does that mean? Landsmannschaft is, is basically neighbors. Oh. A, a landsman is a neighbor or somebody who comes from your town or from your neighborhood or from your shtetl in that case. Uh-huh. So the Landsmannschaften organizations were groups of people who gathered primarily around the towns that their families came from. Okay, all right. So uh, let's go back then to the um, commemorations are going to be taking place in April. Uh, Yes, in Manhattan, yes. Okay. So you've been planning this. You said actually you started thinking about this six years ago, and but plans have actually been going on for the past two years. And so you've got the location set and you've got the date set and, and you're planning the events as well. But you've had something, you recently put out this press release. So a really interesting and exciting development has happened in Ukraine. So tell us about the connection there and the actual site of, of this town, which no longer exists, right? Felsten no longer exists. Well, it, it's fascinating because we don't really know how it happened. Hi. So we're kind of doing our own uh, private detective work, trying <laughs> to have exactly how this came to pass. We suspect that one of our members, one of our Felsteiners, who actually was born in Felstein and who grew up in Felstein and whose family survived, even though they were Jewish, because they passed for Catholic. Oh. Uh, this lady, uh, her name is Paulina Lerner, uh, went back to visit Felstein this past spring. And I believe it's as a result of her visit to Felstein that the uh, local Catholic priest got involved. And uh, so I think that she happened to, when she was there, meet with the principal of the school, a fellow by the name of Yuri Fedorov, and they talked about uh, what kind of sustained activities there could be that would bring the history, the full history of the town, to light for the school children. And they talked about the possibility of establishing a museum-type display in, the, in one of the corridors of the school where they have glass-enclosed mm-hmm. 
display cases and, and wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do a you know a visual depiction of what the town was like a hundred years ago wow and talk about the Jews and talk about how things came to pass now they had that discussion I believe that that discussion spilled over to the Catholic clergy oh. and then we got this wonderful letter from Father Peter who said to us that we're going to have a, uh, a memorial on the date of the pogrom where we pledged to have 600 people with candles lit in the town. Oh, wow. And uh, we think that's a, a very powerful thing, and it's a wonderful a message for the town to send and for the church to become involved in and for us to be able to feel that our ancestors will be remembered in that way yes. on that day. So it's a really wonderful thing, and we're hoping to be able to work with other priests in the local area and maybe even, you know, get it to spread a little bit. You know, for instance, uh, Kemelnitsky, which is only about 12 or 15 miles away, mm-hmm. might be, you know, another town where we, we, we could uh, attempt to uh, reach out to the local clergy and see if they wouldn't participate. Kemelnitsky itself has a synagogue that we're establishing communications with, but we're, we're hoping that the activity of, of Father Peter will spread to other communities oh, that, yeah. suffered, that suffered similarly in those days. Oh, yeah, what a great gesture of reconciliation. And yes, maybe we I can, think so. Yeah, maybe can we heal the wounds of the past and, and move forward as, you know, I think people hoped over the centuries. Um, so what is the name of this church? It's it's Saint Wojciech Parish. Okay, and it's it's Roman Roman Catholic. Yes, and Father Peter is also inviting the Orthodox, the uh, Eastern Orthodox uh, clergy, to participate as well. Wow! So it's not only going to be Catholic. That's amazing. And uh, you know, and of course, we're hoping that we're going to be able to get the uh, the synagogue and Kemelnitsky oh. involved, and uh, we'll see what happens. I've been speaking with Alan Bernstein, president of the Felschton Society in New York. Next week, in part two of this interview, Alan will share more details about the Society's phenomenal connection with a school and a Catholic church in Ukraine, eager to help shed light on their town's lost Jewish heritage. Meanwhile, for more information about the Felschton Society and the history of the Jewish shtetl, Felschton, visit their website, www.felschton.org. F-E-L-S-H-T-I-N www.felshton.org So, until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com.
and the Interlake Polka Kings from the Interlake region of Manitoba. That was the Hilltop Waltz. And we're going to pick up the pace a little bit now with uh, a group from that same general area from Winnipeg. They are called Sluha. Here they are with a traditional Ukrainian folk song that you can really dance to. So lace up those dancing boots. Here they are, Sluha from Winnipeg with Oi Chorna, Yes Chorna, I am a dark-eyed beauty. week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community. 
Next Friday, enjoy a pierogi supper at the Ukrainian Community Society of Ivan Franco in Richmond. The hall is located at 5311 Francis Road between Railway and Number 2 Road. Doors are open from 5 to 7.30 p.m. And just a reminder, there will be no pierogi supper next month, so this is your last chance until January. For more information, call the Society at 604-274-4119 or visit them online at ivanfranco.ca. On Wednesdays, catch Nash Hollis Ukrainian Roots Radio, broadcasting live from Nanaimo to North and Central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, Northwest Washington State, and in the Greater Vancouver Listening Area. Join me, Paulina, for the first hour in English and Oksana Poparajnik for the second hour in Ukrainian. That's Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. And at 6 p.m. Saturday evenings, flip your dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me, Pavlina, for another hour of fun on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Please send dedications, requests, and suggestions to producer at nasholos.com. Your comments are always welcome. In between broadcasts, follow Nash Holos on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds, and more, visit our website at www.nashholos.com.
and some homegrown talent for you there. Both groups are from right here in the Lower Mainland from the Fraser Valley. And that last song was performed by the Ukrainian Prairie Band, which consists of the talented, amazingly talented Gladys Andreas and her equally amazing and talented musical friends. And that is from their CD, Traditional Music from Our Past, and a medley of traditional Ukrainian folk songs. Before them was the West Coast Dulcimer Duo, and that was Evelyn and, sadly, Shindruk, also from the Fraser Valley, from their CD, Ukrainian Favorites. You've been listening to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver, which comes to you Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. here on AM 1320 CHMB on the radio dial and online at am1320.com. In between broadcasts, please visit our website at www.nasholos.com. You'll find transcripts and audio files, information about the show, and of course, podcast links to stream or download. There's also a link to our Patreon site there, where you'll find playlists and proverbs, as well as other extra features for patrons and donors. I do hope you'll engage with me there and support the show by following our page or becoming a patron. Incidentally, you can also support the show at no cost to you through the Amazon links found at the Nosh Hollis website, and that is a great way to do your Christmas shopping. And our website is www.noshholos.com. I love to hear from you, so please send your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. And our proverb of the week translates as He who knows some sort of trade earns his bread more easily. And with that, we've come to the end of our program, so one last song by the Playboy Band from Edmonton. I'm Pavlina, on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening, and Dobranich!
enjoyed this podcast, please support the show on our Patreon page. Patrons get rewards, such as the weekly playlists and Proverb of the Week, a shout-out on the show, e-books, merchandise, and even free advertising, depending on the amount pledged. For a limited time only, for your pledge of $10 a month or more, you'll be eligible for free Christmas greetings on behalf of your business, yourself, or a Ukrainian organization of your choice, like a church, Rydnerskola, or cultural organization. To find out more, make your pledge by December 8, 2018. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash Nasholos or use the link at the Nasholos website www.nasholos.com. And as a token of my appreciation for listening, here is a bonus track for you, a blast from the past, Peter Lamb and a folk dance called the Chaban. <laughs> Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.